so I, um, the, the message that I was kind of praying and just sort of had on my heart um, this morning sort of sparked from a, a few different things, and there's a couple of new songs and stuff that we're doing at the moment that have just kind of been, sort of been resonating in my heart, but um, I'll sort of get to that a little bit later on and kind of talk about um, some of those things and some of the ones that we've been singing just before, but um, I guess where this message this morning starts was um, a couple of years ago, I got a puppy. Um, I'll show you a photo of him. Back when he was really cute. He's a whole lot bigger now. Um, lots and lots of energy. He was from the um, SPCA. His name's Luca. They originally told me he was a lab collie cross, and I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds like a, you know, a good mix. Took him to the vet. They said he's a lab German short-haired pointer cross. Um, accidentally got myself a hunting dog. Wouldn't recommend it. A lot of energy. A lot of energy. A lot of energy. Like he just runs and runs and runs. But very sweet, very lovely. Um, as I say, a whole lot bigger than that now. But I didn't have any cute photos of him from recently. But um, so this is Luca. As I say, lots of energy. And um, I had uh, taken him to the dog park to give him a really good, you know, run around and stuff. And he was into all the water, every pile of mud that you could possibly find. And he was just absolutely covered. And um, we also have a German Shepherd as well, like a long-haired, beautiful, but she loves water and she loves mud too. And so you can just imagine it, they were both just a ripe pair, and I was like, right, I'm going to take them down and, um, and take them through the, you know, dog wash thing. And um, so here I am down, down um, Wairiki Road and got there. I'd taken my, my younger sister, and just for context in the story, she's got special needs. And um, we got there, we pulled in, so I've got these two super excited, super muddy dogs, because who knows, any time you put a lead in a, on a dog, they're like just losing their minds, right? And we get there, and um, it's one of those ones where you put like your $10 coins in the machine, and then you've got like a certain amount of time to, you know, work through all the things and shampoo them and blow dry them and all that sort of stuff. And, um, and I got there, I mean, firstly, who has coins now in any case? So it had been a scramble in the first place. They even, like, swung past my parents' place on the way and, like, being like, Mum, have you got another $3 because I haven't got enough coins? So I'd scrambled for all these coins. I got there, and I was going to, just about to put them in, and I realized I was missing one of them, right? So I had dropped, it happened, I dropped it down between the, um, the center console and the seat, and it like wedged right in there. So I've like got one hand trying to find it and the other ones and the dogs are going nuts. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay, I just need to get the dogs out of the car. So my special needs sister is standing there holding these two super excited dogs. And I'm literally like, you know, the contortionist trying to like get under the seat to find this flippin' dollar gold coin that I dropped down, right? And it was, it took me a good five minutes. Like, it was weird. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, but I'm like, I needed that coin. Like $9 wasn't going to get the the dogs any cleaner, they were a mess, like, there was no going home without them having a wash, and so, and as I'm, like, it's really glamorous, as I'm, like, under the car seat, like, knees on the pavement, with the door open, the two dogs going crazy, and my sister being like, hey, 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 hey. and um, I'm, like, and the story came back to me in the parable of Luke chapter 15, and see if you can recognize it, some of you might have picked it a wee while ago, um, Luke 15, chapter 8. Or well, suppose a woman, uh, oh, cool, I have got a timer, good job, it's beneficial for all of us. Um, or well, suppose a woman who has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? 
And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And as I had my arms wrangled around the bottom car seat on my car with my head under the steering wheel trying to get this coin, I went, oh, God, this is a sermon illustration, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, here we go. But as I was reflecting on it, I was like, man, I was so desperate to find that coin. I was like frustrating so I could see it. I just couldn't reach it. I was wedged in there and just, just reminded something, you know, the heart of God and the lengths that God will go to to find us and to pursue us and to chase us down. And we know that that story is in between the story of the lost sheep and also the prodigal son. And going, God is into finding lost things, right? And I think sometimes we can hear those stories so often that we become so familiar with them that they lose a little bit of their impact. And so my heart and my prayer this morning is that as we reflect on these, that our hearts will just again be filled with the wonder of a God who pursues lost things, of a God who is passionate about finding those things and bringing them home. And what amazes me within that story, within that parable, is the deep desire that God seeks us, that he searches for us, and that there is a deep desire within him to hold us closely again. But what continues to blow my mind is that it's not just anyone who is looking for us, who is seeking us, who is pursuing us. But it is the king of kings. Jesus was sitting there and he was talking with some really normal people just like you and I. But he was also sitting there giving this illustration to teach the Pharisees about the heart of God. The teachers of the law, the ones who had all the knowledge, all the scripture, all the understandings, but to go at the heart of it is a God who is pursuing you, who is seeking you, who is drawing closer relationship to you. And as Jesus is sitting there teaching people what the heart of God is like, what the Father is like, he wasn't just a man. He was the King of Kings. We've sung about him just now. The King of Kings who is going to go to the cross. We sang in this song just before, in the darkness we were waiting, all humanity was seeking and waiting for this redemption, without hope, without light, till from heaven you came running, there was mercy in your eyes, to fulfill the law and prophets, to a virgin came the word, from the throne of endless glory, to a cradle in the dirt. He was with God in the beginning, he was God who came and dwelt as Majesty's creation, who humbled himself to be in the dirt of a manger, to reveal the kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost, to redeem the whole of creation. He didn't despise the cross. For even in his suffering, he saw what was on the other side, knowing that that was our salvation. Jesus, for our sake, you died. And then on the morning that he arose, when there was an empty tomb, all of heaven held its breath till that stone was moved for good, for the lamb had conquered death, and the dead rose from their tombs. Like, let's just stop for a moment and acknowledge, like, 
Something shifted. Something had changed when dead people, even in that moment, start rising from their tombs because he is the first within the resurrection, right? Man, wouldn't you be, like, freaked out? You're standing there like, whoop, like, um, And the angel stood in awe, for the souls of all who come to the Father are restored. And then this part. And the church of Christ was born. Then the Spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel truth of old shall not kneel, shall not faint. By his blood and in his name, in his freedom, we are now free. For the love of Jesus Christ, who has resurrected me. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings. See, he's not just Jesus, meek and mild, that we so often see him portrayed in paintings and memes or, you know, whatever it is. He's the one who, to whom every king that has ever walked this earth will one day bow their knee to. See, some interesting facts about the kings who have walked this earth. Um, king Henry VIII was once arrested and then imprisoned for insulting a police assaulting not insulting assaulting a police constable with his walking stick when the police constable was informed he had jailed the king of england how would that feel kench family not ideal um, he started freaking out that um, he was going to be executed but instead he was commended by henry for his dedication to his duty when the present king of Thailand um, suit his first wife for dessert, divorce, for dessert, divorce, man, today, this morning's going well, for divorce, she was unable to defend herself in court because of the law forbidding criticism of the king. And when King Richard I used chains made of silver to imprison the ruler of Cyprus because he had promised not to put him in irons. In 1904, a Swedish sailor shipwrecked on the island of Papua New Guinea, inhabited by a tribe known for its cannibalism, he was carried to their king, whose daughter, conveniently, fell in love with him. He married the king's daughter and after his death became the king of the island. When King Kamehia of, the, of Hawaii died in 1819, his body was taken and buried in secret in accordance with Hawaiian tradition to preserve his mana. To this day, his body has, has not been found and people only speculate on his location. King Edward I built the largest trebuchet. That's the, um, I had to Google this, the, the big like crane thing that like flings all the stuff. Yeah, that's a real technical. Um, you know what I'm talking about. Google it for yourself if you don't. Well, anyway, Edward made one of those, and um, the Scots were so terrified by the size of it that they tried to surrender to him. But Edward sent them back so that he could use his new weapon to launch 300 pounds of projectiles at their castle. Like, isn't that just typical of boys and their toys? Right? They've surrendered. No, no, I want to play with my toy. <laughs> Someone else we know, right? Um, Cesar Nicholas II's coronation party um, had about 1,384 people um, who died at it after being trampled due to a rumour that there wasn't enough free beer and food. 
King Harold of, Harold of Norway vowed to remain unmarried for his life unless he could marry his true love, the daughter of the cloth merchant. She became the Queen of Norway. Joseph Bonaparte, Napoleon's brother, lived in New Jersey after having been king of Spain, Sicily, and Naples. He lived by selling off his jewelry and eventually moved back to Europe where he died and was buried near his brother. In 539 BC, Persian king Cyrus the Great issued the first ever decree on human rights. He freed slaves declaring that all people had the right to choose their own religion and establish racial equality. In 1669, King Louis XIV banned pointed sharp knives in an attempt to reduce violence, and that is why table knives are dull and rounded today. King Edward VII was too fat to fully fit his suit jacket. In order to not offend the king, everyone else followed, and hence the trend was born of not having to button suits. Isn't that convenient? Um... The late King Olaf V of Norway used public transport. He was nicknamed the People's King. And Aztec kings wore cloaks made entirely of hummingbird skins. It would take around 8,000 hummingbirds to create an adult-sized cloak. Interesting, eh? But the point being that all of these kings, all of these men, great, le great leaders, some slightly more foolish than others, even with all of their great conquests, legacies, will all one day see Jesus face to face. One day, one day, we will all get the opportunity to see our Jesus face to face. See, what is incredible is that he has extended out his hand to us. The King of Kings has given each of us the most incredible invitation to be a part of his kingdom and the promise that nothing can now separate us from that kingdom. Isn't that incredible? Nothing, nothing can separate us from him. Romans 8.35 reminds us of this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I remember so many of these letters were written to a time when there was a persecuted church, when they were literally laying down their lives, when they had been exiled from their city, from their property, from their businesses, where generations had been in those spaces. But they had this faith. They had had this encounter with Jesus, and Paul reminds them, shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, because that was a very real reality, it still is for many believers and nations. As it is written, for your sake we, shall we, sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nowhere we can go that can escape him. There is no power that is greater than him. There is no situation that we face that he cannot be present in. There is no spiritual power that can come against us that is more powerful than him. There is no depth of the ocean that he is not and no mountaintop where he is not there either. 
There is no place that we can hide from him. There is no place that his presence cannot exist. Isn't that incredible? Nothing can separate us from this love of God. As we stop for a moment and think about the incredible pursuit that this king was willing to go on for us. He put his body on the line. He laid down his life. He was God who gave up heaven to come and walk within his creation, redeeming and restoring that which we still continuously break, distort, and mess up. He offers us a new kingdom, a new way of living. See, even just this week, I was reading about some of the young people in Laos who have recently come to faith. What blows me away in that nation is that at times they sometimes even give up their citizenship because their citizenship is dependent on the, the head man within their villages. And there's a lot of spirit worship within those places, and so there's a lot of opposition to those that come to faith. And just recently, there were young people, we've talked about it here, they actually weren't able to go back to school where they thought because of their faith in Jesus, they weren't able to go back to school. Thankfully, and by the grace of God, and we believe by answer prayer, they are currently in school where it seemed to be an empty threat. But in the midst of that is some very real opposition and challenges. There are some that have had to recant their faith because of physical, emotional abuse from their families, from the pressure. This is still daily life in so many nations. I think sometimes we can become a little bit immune to it here because it's, it is easy for us. But there are people who still on a continual basis will lay down their lives, hundreds of people on a regular basis, who will lay down their lives because of their faith. Phil and Janet have given up their lives here in New Zealand and moved to South Sudan, like of all places, like every day they are putting their lives at stake because of this incredible love, this incredible encounter with Jesus. See, sometimes this encounter with God will make us do some crazy things, right? Graham and Lucy, who are going to be sharing tonight, and I encourage you to come along to Levita, 6 p.m. tonight, and to hear some of the stories of, um, of what God is doing within the nations, but also just to be challenged by them. A little bit of their story is 40 years ago, they left New Zealand and planted a church in Kaching in Malaysia. They were able to go back and celebrate as hundreds of thousands of lives have been radically changed within that nation over the last 40 years. And the church is still healthy, growing, strong. Isn't that incredible? Who would, who would think that that would like, that alone would be amazing, right? But after that, they started the church there. They um, went to Japan as well and began planting churches there. They then as they were praying and seeking the Lord in Japan, they felt a burden for Mozambique and for some of the unreached people group there, meaning there is no established church, that there are still thousands and thousands of people within this world that even if they want to know who Jesus was, have no opportunity to, because there is no church they can go along to. 
many people who won't even know a Christian friend and who could share with them about the hope that they have found. So they went to Mozambique. They got, um, went to the chief and they asked for some of the different tribes in the islands and the, around the Koti people. They then got on a boat and then a storm came up. Their boat got shipwrecked and they turned up on this island in the dark, not knowing where they were, not knowing how they were going to be received by these people. And they landed on the island of Buzu. Now, Buzu, there was an unreached people group. It was one of these koti, but it was so long and forgotten about that the chief didn't even put it on his list of people, a list of tribes. He was like, ah, oh, them? Ah. Oh. But God had a plan, and God had a purpose, and it took a shipwreck to get them there. And they ended up sharing the gospel, sharing that good news that there is a God who came and dwelt amongst us that pursues those that are lost and extends an invitation to be part of his kingdom. And these people came to faith. Their island was eroding because of the storms, and for two years they prayed, and over that time their island grew. And it gave them an opportunity to be discipled and to learn about the things of God. And then after two years, the islands began to erode again. And Graham and Lucy and the team said to them, what would you like us to do? They said, no, we're ready to go now. We know that God has placed something within us, and it's our time to go and to share this. And so the island of Buzu doesn't exist now. It is now eroded. But the Koti people have now gone out and have gone to reach other unreached Koti to give them the opportunity that they now had. And now there are hundreds of Koti churches over Mozambique and they are starting to go to the Moani who are an unreached people group that have no opportunity to hear the gospel. Isn't that incredible? And it's now run by incredible Mozambicans who are passionate about the things of God, whose lives have been radically shifted and changed in this nation, and who carry a real heart to see God's kingdom come in that nation. So Graham and Lucy have now gone back to Japan and are continuing to plant churches there and amongst the Japanese people, where they are seeing the churches grow, they are seeing people have an encounter with Jesus for the first time and come to faith. Isn't that amazing? And their building is full. They've had to go to um, services on Saturdays just because there's just things God's starting to break some stuff open. and um, Amazing, amazing. But all because of the love of God. Because they know that God wants to see lost things found. That he is a God who pursues. That he is the king of kings who is extending an invitation to all. And they know that they have a message to carry. See, sometimes I think we forget the links God wants to, the links God went to to reach us. We get so used to it. So familiar. That we can trust above everything in his sovereignty, and that one day we will get the opportunity to see him face to face. And the incredible invitation he extends to us, we hear about it so often that we're like, yeah, I know those stories. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, I've heard that phrase before. Yeah, I, I know that. I can sing the songs. I can quote the verses. See, his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. This gives us hope that this is not it. 
church, we have not arrived. This here, our everyday lives, what we're going to go to on Monday, what's going to happen next week, this isn't it. This is temporary, right? And all of this gives us hope that a new kingdom has been ushered in. But it's not here in all its fullness. So we allow these promises to allow hope and faith to rise in our hearts in difficult times. We hold to the confidence that one day we will see our Jesus face to face. That shouldn't be something that we are fearful of because every barrier has removed and now the King of Kings extends his hand to every single one of us. Like the woman who lost the coin and went to great lengths to find it, he came looking for us long before we even realized we were lost. So as the team comes back, I'd love us to take a couple of moments in the midst of our busy weeks and all our thoughts and all the things that are going on and reflect on what this means for each of us. What does it change? As I was, um, as I was preparing this and as I was going through it again last night, and I was like, oh, I wonder what God wants to do in the, in the ministry time. And I looked and I um, saw the song that Zusha had, had picked. Um, she didn't know any of this stuff. And um, we're going to sing the song Hallelujah here below. And it'll come to the point where it goes, Jesus Christ, our King enthroned. Um, help me out with this. All the praises for you alone. And I think this morning that the Holy Spirit is weaving something through this. <laughs> that he wants to remind us that he is the King of Kings. That all of this is his, he is in the midst of it. He is inviting us to be part of it, to not get so familiar with the story that something of the wonder of what God did within us is forgotten, but to draw us back to the place that it is the king of kings who pursued you. It is the king of kings who extends an invitation to you to be a part of his kingdom, a new way of life, a new way of living with a hope and a confidence that one day we will see him face to face and we will experience his kingdom in all its fullness. But right now, in the midst of it, he is inviting us to carry his kingdom, to share that with others, to sing out and to herald the good news that the king is come, that he is the one that is on the throne, that all praise will be to him forever and ever. So will you join with me as we sing and just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to move, to remind us of these things in the name of Jesus.